Well, I'm excited to share with you this morning in our final week in this His Name Shall Be Advent message series. And I hope you came prepared for a word from God this morning. Um, I know this week has been a busy week. It's been a busy season. And I've been running here or there, and, and I got sick a while back, got over, and then this week I kind of got that scratchy throat kind of thing back. I'm like, really? Come on now, it's Christmas. I'm too busy for this kind of stuff, you know. And <clears throat> man, sometimes it's just kind of hard to be at peace during this time of year, right? I don't know, maybe it's just me. Could just be. But today I think this message, whether you're having a hard time finding peace this season, or maybe maybe there's something that you are witnessing in the world and you go, God, what is going on? I think there's something for you today. And so I am so excited to share with you this morning in this series. I want to see some beautiful literature lifted up right now. If you have God's word in your hands, if you have your Bible with you, paper, digital, the one in front of you, <clears throat> I'd invite you to get it out this time. Lift it up. I would say I've got my Bible, PK. Woohoo! Wonderful. I'm so glad that you do. Today we're going to be hopping around all over the place. However, our main passage comes from Isaiah chapter 9, and you can turn there in uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 1 today. We're going to turn there in just a few moments. But first, I have a question for you today. I'm wondering if any of you, like me, absolutely enjoy watching Christmas movies. Oh, okay, hands all over the place. All right, I just can't seem to get enough. And, and in particular, when I feel like I haven't watched them all, I, I go crazy. I want to watch all the favorite Christmas movies. I want to watch all the new Christmas movies. Sometimes I drive PJ a little bit nuts at home because he just wants to watch something normal. I'm like, no, it's Christmas. Um, I could watch them year-round, but there's something sacred about saving them up for this time of year. Um, I think it's because Christmas movies tend to make us feel good, right? There's usually that sense of goodwill, joy, humor, laughter, peace, and love. They're comfortable, fun, and predictable. It's an escape in the somewhat unpredictable, stressful world that we live in. <clears throat> Take Hallmark Christmas movies, for example. Now, honestly, I haven't watched that many, but some women in the room... I'm talking to you probably primarily, uh, are familiar with Hallmark, Cri Rick, apparently Rick watches Hallmark Christmas, yeah, okay, well, to those of you that watch Hallmark Christmas movies, um, you're very familiar, it, 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 they feel good, but let's face it, there's a successful businesswoman who's making big bucks in the big city, and they send her away on the, some small assignment in some little quaint town who, where she meets Mr. Perfect, who's just a simple guy. Well, she gets stuck in this kind of conundrum, and she goes, I don't know. Do I want to go back to the successful life in the big city, or would I rather stay here with Mr. Rugged and Simple and fall in love and stay with him during Christmas time and kiss underneath the Christmas tree and get engaged? Oh, the struggle. Well, of course, you know how it ends. Mr. Perfect, Mr. Simple, she decides to stay with him, and they get engaged. A surprise, he's rich, and they live forever more happy and successful and beautiful and the world is all right <laughs> but as we know life doesn't play out like most christmas movies right <laughs> 
But yet we count down the days until this season where we get to immerse ourselves into this wonderfully perfect situation and these warm and fuzzy moments on the screen for about an hour and a half or so <laughs> to escape our anxious-filled realities. Because there's something beautiful about that much joy, about that much peace. But as we know, most Christmas movies are far from reality. However, there is one Christmas movie that stands out to me among the pack that's a little bit more real. It's one of my favorite movies, really, of all time. And it is It's a Wonderful Life. Yay! The title is, though, initially deceiving as it sounds like it's the setup for the perfect Hallmark feel-good movie. But if you know anything about it, it isn't anything like those Hallmark movies because, ironically, it's not always a wonderful life, is it? Life happens. Our dreams and expectations don't turn out as we desire or planned. Our prayers sit there seemingly unanswered and we start to question God. We live paycheck to paycheck and what ifs start to haunt our thoughts. The enemy attacks and tempts us and we are constantly busy going from one thing to the next, from doctor appointment to kids games to everything, right? We're running here and there, scattered all over the place. People hurt us, or we witness people setting out to harm or hurt other people. Abandonment, abuse, unrest, murder, inflation, sickness, plagues, wars, battles, famines. Boy, this is getting depressing real fast. Peace is hard to come by, is often disrupted, and is hard to attain in life. The list of things that seek to destroy our peace pile up like the weekly laundry, if you're anyone like me. And sometimes we, def we find ourselves desperately seeking God for help. At the end of our rope, just desperate for some peace. Much like George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life. George felt it, the passing of his dad at a young age, a drafty old house in disrepair that he just can't stay on top of, a sick child at home, failed dreams of traveling the world, his brother being made and put in the spotlights and being the town hero, classmates making all the riches and all the money that he dreamed of having, 
the town villain Potter always at his back and threatening his very existence and life as it is. Possibilities of going to jail by no means that he can recall ever messing up. And it got too heavy for him. So in a moment of desperation, this non-praying man found himself at the bar seeking God in desperation for help. Have you been there before? Are you there now, today? There's good news, I gotta say, that I would like to share with you today. We're not stopping there. (laughs) Because no matter what your situation and how you feel or felt when you walked in the room today, no matter what interrupts the peace that you desire so badly to have, God makes what seems impossible absolutely possible through his son. Jesus Christ. I would invite you to open to Isaiah chapter 9. It'll be up on the screens for you as well. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God's people had not been at peace right? We see in verses 4 through 5 that there had been constant battle and oppression and defeat for the people of God. They were discouraged. Things had piled up like months, years of laundry for the people of God. But this passage promises that one day a child would be born, the Messiah, and that that child would bring peace. In fact, he shall be called the Prince of Peace, his people will no longer suffer slavery, defeat, and the anguish of battle. In fact, because of the Prince of Peace, every piece of garment used for battle can and will be burned in the fire. Battle gear will no longer be needed because of Jesus and the ushering of peace that he brings. Jesus is our Prince of peace. This was good news for God's people that heard this prophecy, but it's also good news for us in this room today and listening online today. So what does Jesus being our Prince of Peace mean for us? I want to share some thoughts 
with you that have helped me understand this better this week. Some of what I'll share comes from author Sheila Aylwine, but as it has helped my understanding of what it means that Jesus is our Prince of Peace, I want to share it with you this morning as well. Jesus provides peace with God. Jesus provides peace with God. Peace begins when we encounter Jesus as a one that reconciles us to God by his death on the cross. You see, because of Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden, we can never achieve peace with God by our own acts, our own works, our own merits, or efforts to be good. God's standard of holiness demands death as a payment for our sin. There's no other way. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. This is nothing we could do, y'all. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's why Jesus came, born of a virgin. You see, being born of a virgin made possible the escape of the sinful nature that was handed down by Adam. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless, and innocent life and was condemned and put to death on the cross. He became our peace offering, and in him we are reconciled to God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the law. His death paid for our sins, and God raised Jesus from the grave. And now Jesus sits at the Prince of Peace on the right hand of God, interceding for us as our wonderful counselor who declares that through faith we are justified and no longer guilty. That's the best news, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus provides peace with God, and Jesus provides peace within our circumstances. He provides peace with our circumstances because you see, even though we can have peace with God, we still live in this fallen world that is in need of a savior. Adam's and Eve, Adam and Eve's sin affected all people, but also the physical world that we live in. The sinful nature of man is joined by physical death, sickness, disease, pain, addictions, Wars, all of that is an effect of the fall that we see around us. However, if we have peace with God, if we have that relationship with God through faith in his son, we can have assurance that this place that we are in right now is only our temporary home. It's only temporary. Our eternal home where David and Martha are in now is something to look forward to. This is just a passing through. But while we are here, we still experience the results and the effects of sin. We will still experience temptation and persecution. Like Jesus was rejected, we too will, can expect to be rejected. However, even in this, in our circumstances, we are promised and can have the peace of God because he is in us and is available to us in all circumstances. We can face these scary and difficult life situations because we know that Jesus has overcome the world and that our future is secure. John 16, says this. Jesus says, I, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is great news for us. We serve a God who has overcome all these things in this temporary place that we live in. So what do we do when we get anxious, when we face these troubles, when we get tempted, or we face situations that, that are just really tough to see through to the other side? Well, hopefully before George did it, but we pray. <laughs> We seek God. The answer comes in Scripture in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding. Anything you can comprehend, his peace is way beyond what we can understand. It'll come. It'll, he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We take what threatens our peace and threatens to disrupt our peace to Jesus, the only one who can do anything about it. And God promises in exchange to give that peace that surpasses all understanding in exchange and to guard our hearts and our minds in him, our Prince of Peace. Jesus provides peace with God, peace within our circumstances, and Jesus provides peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus provides peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Peace with one another is possible, but it is only possible when we are united in Jesus Christ. You, so, you see, the world tries to create a picture of possible peace and unity by accepting relative truth. What's true for you is right and good and true, and what's good for me is true for me, and we're all going to get along as one big happy family. However, this concept presents a false unity between all philosophies, religions, and ideologies in our world. And the reason is this. Truth can never be united with lies because lies will expose, or truth will expose the lies. Darkness can never be united with light because light will always overcome the darkness. And sin can never be united with holiness because holiness is without sin by definition. The peace Jesus offers is not the world's definition of tolerance. In fact, instead of peace, he says in Luke 2 that he would bring division even between fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. However, peace among spiritual family members, our brothers and sisters in Christ, is possible and even commanded in God's word as we all submit to Jesus, our Prince of Peace. As we bear peace as a fruit of the Spirit and walk together in the Spirit, peace is possible. Ephesians 4, 2-3 says this, <clears throat> Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peace, As a bride of Christ, we are to make every effort, church, to keep unity with one another. Now, because we are human, we will not naturally do this. We are not naturally unified. We are not naturally inclined to live at peace with every single person, but it is possible but it requires a choice for us 
to be obedient to what God calls us to do, to make every effort walking in the Spirit together to live in peace and pursue peace and unity with one another. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. We exist, church, to build each other up, to be unified, to walk together in peace through Christ and his power that equips us with his peace and his presence. You see, as we do this, as we surrender to the spirit of Christ and submit to the authority of God's word, we can, church, walk in unity and peace with one another. We can live in that way. And when we do, this is a beautiful thing. Because it's so hard to see peace in the world outside, and, and it's so difficult to see that. But when the church functions and works together in the spirit that calls us to peace and unity with one another, man, that is a beautiful picture. It's something that the world doesn't see, but when we work hard to be at peace and unified together, they look at that. People are drawn to peace, aren't they? They're drawn to unity, and they see that it's only possible because of God, because of Jesus, our Prince of Peace, that helps us to do that, to help us truly be a family, brothers and sisters in Christ, united together through faith in him. Jesus provides us peace with God, with our circumstances, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And wow, Jesus provides eternal peace. Jesus provides eternal peace. We began with Isaiah's prophecy at the beginning of this, naming the Messiah as our Prince of Peace. I want to revisit verse 7 in chapter 9 of Isaiah, where it reads this. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus provides eternal peace. He, God promises there will be no end to Jesus' government of peace. However, right now, in our current state, our world, our peace is constantly under attack, and that's because we have an enemy who's well at work, constantly accuses, tempts, and reminds us even of our past sins. He tempts us and entices our flesh to participate in sin today. He is alive and at work, and as we talked about in No Show Youth Group this week, he knows scripture better than probably, well, any of us, right? We talked about that. He knows God's word, and he's at work. And because of this, we struggle. Because we're still human. Even though we're at peace with God and all these things are table, we're still human. We're still here. We still exist in this fallen world. But this will not always be the case. There is amazing news because one day, Jesus will return. This Advent, we focus on what it meant for Jesus to leave heaven, to come down as a baby, born of a virgin. This, the people of God have waited years for this long-awaited Messiah to be born, to come as promised. And today, much like God's people back then, we await his return. The mighty return of our Prince of Peace who will take his rightful place on the throne of our world where we, get, we will begin to experience the eternal peace that God promises that's going to be a glorious day. Whether I go home before then or he returns, man, eternal peace. Doesn't that sound wonderful? 
It's a forever even better than all those Christmas movies you could think of with those beautiful endings to them. It's way unimaginable, incomprehensible what that's going to be like. Jesus provides peace with God within our circumstances, with our brothers and sisters in Christ and eternal peace. So what do we do in the meantime? Until Jesus does return, because he will, and I hope that you're ready this morning, by the way. What do we do? Well, the Bible gives us this prescription. It's already up on the screen to keep the peace in our hearts, and that is to fix our eyes on the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26.3, I love this verse. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. The Hebrew word for steadfast means to lean or to rest on. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're resting our gaze on him. We are transfixed upon his face. We lean on Jesus. We rest in him. We focus our mind and our hearts on him and his promises to us. These promises of peace, the promise of eternal peace, the promise that he's going to return, the promise of his son, Jesus. And we, re- we obey him. We stay committed to staying fixed on him and we remain clay in the potter's hands. And when we do this, he promises that he will give us his peace. He will keep us in perfect peace, those who rest in him. In spite of the things that threaten to disrupt our peace, our failed plans, dreams, expectations, and on and on. When people are trying to harm us or others, Jesus promises peace, even in those circumstances. We just have to keep our eyes fixed on him and trust that he is weaving the phrase of our life into something wonderful. And that's what I love about the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, because when George gets to this pivotal moment and he is seeking God in desperation, going, my life is falling apart. It is nothing like I wanted it to be, and there's nothing at peace. And I, oh, I, if only I just didn't exist. And, and George leaves that bar, and he gets in a car accident, he goes to a bridge, and you all probably know the story. But he's thinking about, is this life really worth it? Do I throw myself into the river on this blustery, blizzardy night? And God sends an angel, a goofy old man named Clarence, falls in the water and rescues George. And George says, I just wonder what this world, I wish I'd never been born. I'd be, it'd be better off, this world would be better off had I not been born. And so God allows George to see what his life would be like had he never been born. It's not a great place. In fact, he realizes that God this whole time was taking the phrase, the frustrations, the anxieties, the things that disrupted his peace and dreams and desires. He was taking them and he was weaving them into this beautiful work that was his wonderful life that he was actually truly living out. And he said, oh God, please, I want to go back. Please bring me back. I want to be back with my wife and my kids and my drafty house and that's in disrepair and I might go to jail, but that's okay. Just bring me back. And so God does. This is George's response. Yeah! Hello, Bedford Falls! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, George! Merry Christmas, movie house! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful building alone! Hey! 
In jail. Go on home. They're waiting for you. <laughs> Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Reporters, are... where's Mary? Mary, oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary! 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 Have you seen my wife? Mary, Mary! Mary! Daddy. Kids! Pete! I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you. With Uncle she... Billy. Daddy! Zuzu! Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How do you feel? Fine. Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hello. George. George, Mary. darling. Where are you? George, darling. Where are you? Oh, oh George. Mary. George. 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 Oh, let me touch you. Let me touch you. Are you real? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You see, he sought God. God showed him what his life would have been like and what it truly was, that it was truly wonderful, that it was truly blessed, and that he was truly working out these phrase, these things that he was weaving together for something absolutely beautiful. It didn't matter what had piled up. God was working to bring it together. You see, it may not always be what seems like a wonderful life to us, but if we take the time to stop and to fix our eyes on God and to seek him, it can be a peaceful one when we do this. When we allow the Prince of Peace to rule in our lives, he is weaving a beautiful tapestry out of all of you guys' lives. Difficulties and all, challenges, frustrations, heartaches, and all. We just have to remain focused and fix our eyes on our Prince of Peace. And one day, all that is broken in our world, all that the enemy uses to disrupt, discourage, and disturb, and tempt us, and our peace will be gone. Because our long-awaited Jesus will return and reign over all, and we will experience eternal peace with him. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you sent Jesus as our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. God, there are so many names that are attributed to Jesus throughout your word. We thank you for this time that we've been able to dive into these four names in the book of Isaiah. We thank you for them. We thank you for the reminders that they have provided to us. God, I know I'm not alone when I say that sometimes life gets hectic. Life gets anxious-filled. There are things that we struggle with, things that we're tempted to do. Sometimes we don't stop and fix our eyes on you to see what you're actually doing, how you're moving, and to trust in you for that peace that goes beyond all of our understanding and comprehension, God. I pray that we would take some time to do that this morning, this week, 
as we prepare our hearts for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, God, help us to fix our eyes on you, our Prince of Peace. Give us a moment where you just minister to our spirit. We experience that peace and we can see that you're working for the good, to the, working for good to, for those who love you, God. God, I pray that everyone in this room experiences peace with you, God, that they, they understand that Jesus as our Prince of Peace came to reconcile us to you. God, I pray that this Christmas that they would know your son, that he was sent here as a baby, that he lived an innocent, sinless, and perfect life, that he died upon the cross for every person in this room and every person that exists to take upon the sins of the world and to die an agonizing death, to destroy sin, to make possible what seemed impossible, a, a restored and reconciled relationship for you, with you, God. For those who have faith in Jesus, your son, God, we can have a relationship with you. And Jesus didn't remain in that grave. We celebrate today a risen Savior. He came, he died, and he lives again, and he reigns, and he sits at your right hand, God, and he is alive and active in our hearts, in our lives, in our world. And God, we are so eager and excited for his return. God, we don't know when it's going to happen, but I pray this morning that everyone in this room and everyone listening online is ready and that their hearts are ready. Help us to seek you, God. Help us to live for you. God, thank you for the greatest gift we could ever receive in Jesus Christ, your son. Be with us this week as we go. Bless each of those that are here. God, help them to sense your presence and your comfort and your care and your joy as they go throughout this week. And God, may that joy leak on to others that we might encounter in our communities, in our families. And may we draw people to you this Christmas. And it is in your holy name I pray. Amen. Well, we want to uh, remind you of our tithes and offerings. There's an opportunity for you to give um, at the doors as you leave and online this morning. And we want to invite you back for this Saturday for Christmas Eve candlelight and communion service at 6.30 p.m. Invite, invite, invite some friends and families to come join you. And then again on Sunday, a week from today at 10 a.m., we will celebrate Jesus' birthday together.